0: Gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome into another edition of Infection Podcast. My name is Nick Craig. You can give me a follow on x at Nicholas M. Craig. Of course, you can check out our website, which is, as always, infectionpodcast.com. Joining me, as always, uh, the man that put the I in the word, Brian. Brian with an I, Aldridge. What's going on, Brian?
1: Hey, not too much. If you want to find me, you can get me at Boise Computer on x as well. Or you can go to at Brian Aldridge on whatever the other ones are that are still up. We'll see. I mean, who knows? It seems like it's hard for me to keep track of the list of the alternate social medias that are still around. One thing that late this week has been kind of crazy is just all the stuff you know happening in Israel and things that you see on Twitter, well, X now. It seems like you don't see anything controversial on YouTube anymore. Nope. You don't see anything controversial on Facebook anymore, but then you're just seeing from both sides of the conflict, people's, depending on what their opinion is of it, all kinds of crazy videos that are just, you know, they're not censoring things, which I think is personally how it should be. We don't really censor things in our Discord. We don't censor things, you know, really anywhere other than, you know, if people are spamming.
0: <coughs> oh, God, sorry. Didn't mean to cough into the microphone. Sorry, I got you. I, I didn't.
1: I threw kinda of no. through the stuff back got. You didn't tell no, you.
0: No, station. no, no. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's been an interesting topic this week. There's been some... Um, I guess pearl clutching—that's been going on. That's that's probably the term I'll use to describe it in regards mm-hmm. to some of the horrific stuff that that is taking place in the in the Middle East right now. And yep. while obviously those uh those those things are atrocities, um, you know that is one of the things that social media provides. That other platforms, well, first of all, legally can't, like broadcast news, uh, like Mm over-the-air broadcast news can't show that stuff. They're regulated by the FCC. Cable news presumably could show it, but it would probably piss off all their advertisers. Um, Yep. And there, there's a place for that now. You know, I saw that there was uh, it was some, one of the idiots in the current administration, Blinken or one of these other jackasses made. Uh, they they were talking about the the stuff on social media. Oh, have you had any conversations with social media com- companies about removing some of this content? And and yes, while it's graphic and disturbing. Um, I think it's important content to see, and without sounding like that's a more without sounding morbid and 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 you know deranged and screwed up in the head, yep. Brian, which uh, some might argue I am anyway. Um, and I think it is important to see what is going on. I mean, you know, you go back to that's what social media was originally. Cre- that's original. What social media was? I mean, it started off with yep. people's you know pictures of their cats and their what they were eating for dinner. Um, and then it has morphed over the last 10 years into on the ground. You know, we've so, We saw it with what, what happened in uh, what's currently going on with Ukraine and Russia. And we've seen it in the past with other sorts of uh, mass events that have taken place, not just terror related, but just in general. The social mm. media aspect and angle of it has always been uh, something that I've appreciated if I want to go see. And I have looked at a little yep. bit of it. It's pretty uh, pretty disturbing to watch, there's no question about it, but I think it kind of uh, it, it it kind of brings a different perspective to not a perspective on what happened, but it, it it more normalized not normalized, excuse me, that's not the word to use either. It brings a level of realism to what you're yep. reading, right? You can read 1200 people killed and and all these other things, but to see some of the videos and pictures it really, kind of, uh, it really kind of makes it real, which, uh, which I think is important and, and, and powerful. And the fact that there's now talks about regulating this content, it's just like, man, you guys are just ridiculous with this whole thing.
1: Yep. And that's the thing that, for me, I remember back in the original Google Plus days, that was something that kind of was happening on that platform. of the, Because that was Occupy Wall Street when sure. that was happening. And you had people that were going, uh, going right to where they were at, talking to people, having a hangout where someone was walking around and just interviewing people and, and asking questions or people that were a part of Occupy Wall Street were sitting there and, and telling people why they were down there. And that was the perfect use for it. And it gave you a better idea than what the news was saying of you know, what people were thinking and, and what they were trying to do you know whether or not i agree with it or not i still appreciated the fact that i could see what their perspective was and it wasn't being filtered by the news media which is usually trying to twist it to whatever agenda they're hoping for and then with this and this is kind of how twitter used to be i mean I, what i enjoyed about twitter back in the day was the fact that it would allow me to see re- news as it happened as close to the source as possible sure and and that was something I think we lost when there were so many clampdowns with social media. I mean, especially with YouTube. Can you get anything that is almost real-time on YouTube that wow. isn't a filtered perspective? You don't see it anymore. Uh, everything I see on YouTube now is mostly old. And, um, and it's stuff that is, they're either saying different words for certain words if they're talking about anything that's controversial because they know they'll instantly get banned. I mean, we have an episode that, we don't have available on youtube because of you know something that was said about covid vaccines in passing mm, yeah and so they refused they refused to post that video and allow us to show it um uh, you know wh- we didn't say anything that was wrong right wow. but they didn't like what we said so they they censored us i appreciate being able to see and and the thing is is i don't see them banning people for being pro Hamas or pro israel you know, it seems like there may be people that will quit following, or will, uh, you know, maybe advertisers. There was that one—I uh, don't know—she a porn star, or supermodel, or Mia something who got uh, kicked off of her, off of whatever she was attached to because of her stance of supporting Hamas. They have the right to do that as their employer, I guess. But you know, I, I think. A place where you can go on there and give your point of view, which because they were so attacking people for giving their point of view, I think that was almost lost. And hopefully we can get that back because I think people should be able to go say what they think without being kicked off of every platform, even if I don't agree with them.
0: Correct. Yeah. And there's a lot of really stupid takes on uh, everything
1: going on. and I. But uh, it's good to see the stupid takes to realize how stupid some people are. Well, if you never let let them speak, how are you ever going to know?
0: I'll always, fight for, uh, I'll always fight for somebody's right to speak, even if it is stupid and ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's good to see that some of that content is available. Again, the content itself isn't good. So let me make sure I'm clear
1: with that. But it I is, mean, don't it, be it, watching it on your your TV screen with your kids in the room. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because there are some um, things that are very raw. In, but in it is, the
0: it, it, I, I'm glad that it is available, and I'm glad that people have uh, can, if they want, uh, view and, and watch some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that, that's, that's good.
1: Alright, so let's go that was just in passing. Let's talk about something that we reported on in the last couple of weeks. Was a big deal. Uh, the Unity just price change that really almost ended people wanting to use it, you know, a large amount of people wanting to use Unity. Well, in their answer to this, the the this guy who was CEO, John, was it Ricotelio or telio? Something like that. Ricatelio. Riccatelio. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he stepped down after this pricing blow up. And so, you know, he says he's retiring and there's a lot of people that have pretty negative views of this guy, just from things he's done in the past. I put another article in there for people that maybe want to go and see, um, some other perspectives of him. Cause Kotaku, of course, you know, the bastions of truth, uh, also have some information about him, but you know, this is something that, I think that it, this helps to calm certain companies from making major changes like this is a pretty major change now whether it's justified or not it may be exactly what they needed but you know it's something that is so far from what was in place as far as a contract with their people using the product sure. I think it was just too much at once so Um, He says he's he's expected to advise Unity and to ensure a smooth transition as they do a comprehensive search for a new CEO, and hopefully this doesn't mean that they're just going to hire based on, you know, whatever alphabet letters or, you know, whatever uh, political reasons. Hire somebody who knows a lot about game development and has experience leading a company. I know that's a shocker nowadays, but...
0: Yeah, but Brian, all those guys are evil. I mean, you look at the heads of any of these companies, if it's not, um, oh God, uh, the guy over at Activision, Bobby Kotnick or this guy over at Unity or Phil Spencer over at Microsoft or Tim Sweeney over at Unreal and Epic. I mean, it's just, you know, it's amazing that no matter who they put in this position, it's always a terrible, evil, awful guy. Um, that, is, uh, that is in charge and, and running. It's just it's amazing that that is always the perception of these people. They're terrible it, enough because they're yeah. CEOs of companies, and that, that, that in itself makes them a, uh, a bad person.
1: Well, and you get lots of uh, these groups that get mad at somebody you know, because of how much money they make. Uh, oh, sure. well, here's one thing in passing we don't, we don't need to cover it a lot, but look at like uh, I have news in here about GameStop's new CEO. They they got a new CEO, and Great. you see these people um, that for instance, Kotaku. Here's an article that they taught, they wrote. GameStop's new billionaire boss calls for extreme frugality in email to staff.
0: What is that? Yeah, what's uh, the relevance know, of that? His what, personal network. The fact that, that he
1: can... is successful. What's that have to do with with him saying that this company needs to save money? Well, he obviously has the ability to save money because look, he's got billions.
0: Well. I just want to read it, Brian, because it's it's a good point. This is the start of the Kotaku article. After years of pulling the strings from behind the scenes, GameStop chairman and billionaire Chewy, which is the incredibly successful pet website where you buy like cat and dog food and all that stuff. Ryan Cohen appointed himself as CEO of the ailing video game store on Thursday. Okay, so the ailing video game store. His first email to staff obtained by Kutaku called for extreme frugality and said that time wasters would not be tolerated as the meme meme stock company fights to survive.
1: That's a lot of opinion. Well, it's not even a lot of (laughs) opinion. Well, the wording that they use, it's like, it's not necessary. But let me a make my point. Stock company.
0: But let me make my point with this. His personal net worth as a billionaire of the founder of an incredibly successful e-commerce website. So what's he supposed to do? Just take all of his money and dump it into this company that is does not have a sustainable business model? I mean, just when you read the headline again for me, Brian. Read the headline for me one more time.
1: All right. GameStop's new billionaire boss calls for extreme frugality in email to staff.
0: The indication there is because he's a billionaire and has a bunch of money. He's not frugal. He should,
1: Yeah. But, How can he talk about frugality is what I got. Because he's because he's successful.
0: Just, successful people yeah. typically are pretty frugal. I mean, that's why they're successful. If you piss away every dollar you make, you're probably going to be poor. I mean, that, it's not really a really hard, complicated figure here. If you live outside your yeah. means, if you spend more than you make, if you drive around cars and have payments you can't afford, you're probably going to be poor forever. That's just the reality of it. That's how it works. Um, and just the staging of this is just its just so ridiculous. But that's where these people – that's how these people operate. Um, yep. And it's uh, – going through his letter, because uh, I think it's an interesting one, and we'll get back to the unity thing here in a minute – I will be straight to the point. It is not sustainable for GameStop to operate a money-losing business. The mission is to operate hyper-effectively and profitably. Our expense structure must allow us to endure an adverse scenario. Whether it's a difficult economy or revenue declaration from shrinking software, we must be profitable. Our job is to make sure GameStop is here for decades to come. Extreme frugality is required. Every expense at the company must be scrutinized under a microscope and all waste eliminated. The company has no use for delegators and money wasters. I expect everyone to treat the company money like their own and lead by example. Now, I'll say he's probably wrong about this because the people working at games, the people People probably working in this company don't manage their money well either, so that's not a, yeah. a necessarily a good take, but um, prospering in retail means survival. If we survive, we stay in the, we stay in the game. Survival is yeah. avoided, avoiding the deadly sins that often lead retailers to self-destruct. This, usually, this is usually a result of the following, buying bad inventory, using leverage, and running expenses too high. By avoiding these self-inflicted mistakes and focusing on the basics, GameStop can be here for a long time. I expect everybody to roll up their sleeves and work hard. I'm not getting paid. Now, so that's not in the headline from Kutaku, Brian. I'm yeah. not getting paid. So I'm either going down with the ship or turning the company around. I much prefer the latter. It won't be easy. Best of luck to you. Why is that not the headline? New GameStop <laughs> billionaire, new GameStop CEO does not take a salary to turn business around. It's not, it's not even mentioned yeah. in their article. It's only mentioned in the, in his direct quote buried at the yep. end of the article. These people are dishonest brokers, Brian. They're dishonest. Yep. That's complete BS.
1: Yeah, and I, I think they, they show so much of their hand in how they write these articles. And it's just, this is, par for the course for Kotaku, though. We, you know, this is something we've been saying for a long time. Of, of they're more of opinion pieces than anything. And this is the perfect example of that. I mean, this guy seems to want to save this company. He's very successful in the, found, the other company he founded, and he doesn't want this one to fail. You know, this is something he's been on the board, um, I think I think he's been on the board before is what it was saying right he, he has experience with this company he wants to save it and he's willing to make all the choices and not take a salary to ensure because they're probably barely surviving right now that's what it sounds like from what he has said you know we need to really focus on saving money not wasting money 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 because they're probably barely staying afloat and they need to make a certain amount of money to keep their retail spaces open. To be able to maintain probably certain contracts for merchandise and things like that. So it'd be interesting oh, to see over the next couple of months <laughs> whether he can. I, uh, because this is something that's hard. for this I didn't hear a word you
0: just said. I was busy reading the comments on this Kutaku article. <laughs> and it makes me want to, um, it makes me just want to crawl into a hole and cry, Brian, because these people are so dilute. Everybody, so many people. Glad they hired a. A big money CEO to take over the company. Then one person goes, well, yeah, but he's not going to be taking a salary. Well, yeah, but he's going to be getting stock option, probably. So, so he's not taking a salary, but he's getting stock option. First of all, you don't even know that that's true, but he's not and, taking and you guys a are salary. It's a
1: meme stock anyways. You guys are saying the the stock is worthless. So like, just, why, why would you concern if he took any stock?
0: It's just like, it's, it's, it's amazing, amazing, amazing to see. Um, the, uh, not, not getting paid doesn't mean he's not getting stock options or other forms of compensation. It just means he isn't getting a salary. Well, here, here's a quick uh, headline for you, jackass. You can't pay your bills on stock option. You can't pay your bills on IOUs from a company. Right. Yep. If maybe they should do that with the employees, since it's good enough for the CEO, maybe they should start paying the employees in stock option. See if they can pay the rents. Maybe that that Here's would be the thing. equitable thing. Hold on, Brian. That would be the equitable thing to do. The CEO's not taking a salary. Maybe some of the employees should not take salaries either, and just pay them to in stock hands, option. Yeah. To join hands. That okay, would be sure equitable. Love we love equality, Brian. We love it
1: well here here's here's (laughs) i'm scrolling down looking at another one of these because capitalism is just feudalism with a new Uh coat of paint and billionaires like nobles of old are intrinsically owed your labor your love and even your very lives should be the 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 need to rise after all their very wealthy very wealth and power is proof of their superiority and the justice of their rule over the masses how could anyone rise to such lofty heights unless they're a super genius playing five-dimensional business chess, and their every act is a stroke of brilliance, which creates untold wealth and prosperity. You know, <laughs> this is the mindset of the of the average Kataka reader. Yeah, well, they're idiots. So,
0: I mean, they're brain dead, yeah. pissed at the world, losers. That I mean, just these people. You know, it's it's amazing, Brian, because when you read any sort of um, you you look at you can read any memoir or book that was written about anybody that was successful not even we're not even talking about like you know, you know gazillionaires just generally successful business people that have done really well for themselves these people would adamantly object to everything in those books and then there will be the first ones whining and complaining i'm not making a fair wage and it's not a livable wage and oh my god it's the evil awful capitalism that's destroyed. the reason i can't get ahead I mean, yeah. it's just like well, may, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you don't need a, maybe you shouldn't be spending three hundred dollars a month on OnlyFans, maybe you shouldn't have a six hundred dollar a month car payment, maybe you shouldn't be spending two hundred dollars a month to rent an iPhone. I mean, like, well, yeah, and these I think are-
1: that that's something that that's kind of a new. You, you are very different than I think a lot of people your age and younger. I'm against the norm. As far as you, you are against the norm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And this There's is something throwback. that this is something that for you you know you see it from a little bit different perspective but when i was your age uh, it was you saved money you worked hard you know you tried to buy a house and and all these things were obtainable and i think now we have a generation with the current inflation they just find it easier to be on welfare like you you, you look at some of the here you look at what welfare could give you uh, my wife and i we you know we look at some of the things and it, if I, didn't, if I made less money, they'd pay for my internet, they'd pay for my cell phone, they'd give me money every month for food, they'd give me assistance on all these other things. They've incentivized not working and lack of, of work with, uh, so much that a lot of people just say, well, what's the point of really trying hard? And they view these people as something they can't obtain.
0: Let, let me make a point on that. I don't, even, I, I don't even think it's the welfare with these people, Brian, because it's not like they're get, not most of them are not getting free government money. It's they work corporate jobs that they hate. They don't, they don't put any effort in. They put in the bare minimum, and they're expecting all of a sudden to be handsomely rewarded for their minuscule yeah. bare effort work. And that's that's the problem that, you know, well, I show up and sit at my desk and twiddle on Instagram for four hours a day and the CEO makes too much money. He's a scumbag. It's like, well, you know, that's not really how this game works. You don't just show up at a company not do anything or just do barely what you're asked to do. If you do barely what you're asked to do, you'll get compensated for doing barely what you asked to. You'll sit in the same yeah. useless position for your entire life, but that's your yep. choice. And and we have completely eroded choice from our, our, our lexicon in the way that we handle things. We just, it's, it's this, I want me, me, me mentality. I mean, you know, yep. And and you nailed the, You hit the nail right in the head with my, people of my age. I'm considered Gen Z. I was born in 1997, um, and that's exactly what it is. Is the cost of living expensive? Yes. Are houses expensive? Yes. Specifically right now is probably a bad example, right? Things are uh, an unnormally expensive right now. I bought my house mm-hmm. at 24 uh, years old, I guess I would have been, something like that, 23, 24 years old. Yeah. I didn't have a relative die and leave me a bunch of money. My parents didn't give me any money. I just saved up, made tough decisions, didn't go on vacations. I'm still driving around a 14 year old car that's got check engine lights on. That That's the decision. Yeah. That's the decision I made so that I could buy a house. These people are unwilling to make those decisions, but want the same result as me. Right? It, I, they well, they want to put in none of the a very effort. Different, yeah. But, but want the same result. So, so the, sacrifice, they, the sacrifice is ridiculous. They can't put, the, the sacrifice is unrealistic, but the result needs to be the same. And that's, that's the problem yeah. with my generation in our society. Well, right that's
1: now. the problem with equal outcome, you know, rather yes. than equal opportunity. And this is, this is where this argument really comes down to. Everybody wants equal outcome, which really is communism, socialism, sure. all Correct. of these things. Those, that is what equal outcome, and it doesn't work. Equal opportunity is what we're really supposed to be espousing is everyone has the opportunity to work hard and get a good job. Everyone has the opportunity to work themselves through college and get a good education. Or if they work really hard, you know, get a scholarship and get a good education. Where the problem is what we've been seeing in the school systems, there's not equal opportunity because the person that has my attributes doesn't have an equal opportunity i won't get the scholarships i won't get accepted to a lot of colleges that's not equal equal opportunity there you know and that's not even equal outcome in the end you're you're being racist in the end and it's just crazy how how much it's changed and i think it's kind of taken away you're handing people some people things too easy and you're making it too hard for others and you're really just juggling the whole system and making it not work which they're starting to find it doesn't work
0: Well, you you know, I just think about this and and I I can only talk about my own personal um, experiences, I guess, would be the would be the term to use for it. Um, You know, both of my uh, both sets of my grandparents grew up in houses where there were more children than rooms and and, and things like that. And both sets of my grandparents uh, gave, you know, Gave the gave my parents the opportunity to, you know, to to break that mold a little bit. And then my parents gave me that opportunity to break that mold a little bit. And I, you know, the the whole, at least as I understand it and how, how I think it should be is that that's just what you do. You leave the, your next generation better off. That's just kind of how you're supposed to do it, but that's completely gone. I mean, that, that is completely eroded. And it's like the, most of the people, like these idiots commenting on Kutaku, these people most likely grew up in middle-class households in safe areas. Like they yeah. weren't born in, mo- I can't speak for everybody, but I, they, were not, they're not born in cri- they weren't born in a crime-ridden project somewhere in an inner city. They likely grew up yeah. somewhere in middle-class, lower-middle-class suburbia. And this is their this is yep. their uh, result on life, and it's it's sad, it's pathetic, um, and these will be the these will be the losers of the next generation. When certain of us yep. out there hope to be soaring and making things happen, they'll be the ones complaining on Reddit that uh, capitalism and white people are evil. Yep, <laughs>
1: good, yeah. good on you. And this, yeah, and that's this is kind of the state. Well, that being said, you know that's that's a perfect example of you know this guy where, where regardless of what i don't know, really know whether the guy from Uni- unity is a good guy or a bad oh, guy no, back to you um, sorry <laughs> yeah so, this is where this all started but you know this is something to where because of decisions he made that have been unpopular uh you know he's the bad guy and sure. so he's taking the fall whether it's it's meant to or whether it's something that is justifiable or not uh this guy's falling on the sword uh, one thing they do put here as a, an addendum is that he is set to earn up to $8.4 million through stock options over the next six months. That's in addition to the roughly $253 million he already holds in current Unity stock. He's been so, a
0: stockholder since 2014.
1: Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's, the, of course, they have to throw that in there that, you know, he's going to walk away with all this money, Yeah. You know, what whatever he's he's stepping down, he's probably not going to work in this industry again because of you know his, this type of an issue and he's at an age where he probably wants to retire he's got plenty of money doesn't need it so we'll see who the next ceo that they pick is and as i said i just hope it's someone who has the business and as the best interest and hmm. it's not going to be something that totally destroys unity because that's my my concern there's a lot of good games there's a lot of people that rely on unity and it could be destroyed pretty quick quickly uh, you know with the wrong kind of person at the helm so
0: yeah no and we don't have a new ceo yeah this guy's going to start the yeah, process of stepping down and they're going to find a successor
1: yeah so he's going to help kind of transition to this person but they're they're now got gotcha. a search trying well, to find it
0: you know it was a bad decision uh the i don't know what they were thinking or why they decided to do what they did and um you know some the, when the Team is really bad. The manager, the head coach, takes, a, takes the fall, takes the hit, and it um, yep. appears to be the same thing here. So good, good on them.
1: Yep, so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, here's another one from Epic. Uh, I just wanted yeah, to follow on? up on there was a talk given by Sweeney oh, talking about even. how they were going to have to change some things. They had the layoffs, and then he gave a talk and was discussing the layoffs a little bit and how the pricing model was going to have to change for Unreal. And this is something I just wanted to explain to people because I'm sure there's going to be people that are jumping in and saying, oh, look at this, you know, how bad Sweeney is and look at what they're doing. Um, You know, they're trying to also, just like Unity, figure out how to remain profitable while still providing products, while still enhancing their product, growing it and keeping it so it's relevant in the future. Well, they've opened up Unreal, for people that don't know, to, to be more than just a game engine. A lot of video editing, uh, film creation, things that use virtual sets uh, you know, and, and have those kind of things built into it are using Unreal now. And so how do you, in their current pricing structure, charge somebody who's making a film? because before it was based on, uh, you know, number of games sold, Uh, you know, here Nick is showing on the screen, this is what the Weather Channel has done with it. This is all Unreal. They really, yeah, they they use Unreal. When there is a hurricane or a storm, they show things to give you a perspective of what's happening. Uh, You know, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do with it. You know, there's a lot of work on the back end to make this work, but in real time using augmented reality type of things, they're able to give people information uh, in a very, what, colorful way, a way that it, it keeps people interested. Well, this type of thing, how do you charge for that when they're basing it on you know, number of products sold and sometimes <laughs> amount of money earned? Yeah. Uh, you can't, there's not always a direct correlation, and so what they're gonna be doing now is changing it. They're going to be introducing a 5% revenue-sharing model. Actually, wait. They did a 5% revenue-sharing model in 2014. Um, And now I think they're doing something where it's going to be a different pricing structure for the video use of Unreal Engine. I'm trying to find where they had on here their price. I think now, um, yeah, they talk about when it earns 1 million in revenue that's for game developers i'm not seeing the i'm looking for the numbers here i was trying to find it I don't, Do you see it in there i don't see it in here
0: i saw i don't have the article up right now. i'm showing this video
1: okay yeah let me let me i'm looking at the verge one and they said they're going to be making it more like the photoshop uh, maya type of a model sure where yeah. it's charged some users on a per seat model kind of like what photoshop does mm-hmm. um and so, I, yeah, I don't see the maybe they haven't announced the exact amounts yet, the, the dollars, but um, I think this is this is a, a good way for them to deal with it because this is kind of like Photoshop. You know it's it's like a video editor. Well, are you going to on a video editor, charge somebody for how many times someone watches the video? That's generally not that how a video sense. editor works. Yeah, yeah. but you' you're expecting that when it comes to Unreal Engine to you, you make a video and then how, you know, they're going to charge you somehow based on your, what, YouTube success. So they'll be, they'll be doing more of a licensed base um, uh, model here that, that's, that's very much like uh, these other type of platforms that are similar. And we'll see, I, I haven't seen the actual Dollar amounts, but as soon as we see those, you know, well, I'm sure we'll let you know in in the show. But yeah, that, that was um, kind of interesting because it, it makes sense with where Unreal is going and the way that they can still make money off of those people because those people were pretty much getting it for free. They were making something and there was nothing they ever had to report, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the um, what the structure was, but there's no way it was uh, generating the kind of revenue that Unreal was needing. Um, by, by the yep. way, part of this, this was at a Unreal Fest um, uh, this past, in the last two weeks or so. We did get some indication of where, so there was 160 people laid off from Epic. I think we talked about that last week. Um, and we have a little bit more of a breakdown of where those were. Only 3% of the layoffs were on the Unreal Engineering team. Uh, 30% okay. of it were business, sales, and marketing. So that was where the vast chunk is, which is what you would expect. Um, yeah, yeah. But one other interesting thing in here to note, since March of 2023, so not even through the full calendar, over the last, what, eight months, they have paid mm-hmm. out over $120 million to third-party Fortnite creators. $120 yeah. million in eight months, because they have a 60-40 yeah. revenue split with um, people that, that make things for Fortnite. That is an incredible yep. amount of money um, that, that they're paying yep. out. And, um, you know, you talk about th- films and television, all of these things using Unreal. I think I sent you a picture I was at NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters show, back in like 2019 or something, maybe a 2018, mm-hmm. out in Vegas, and I think I sent you a picture of a booth that was showing augment uh, the yeah, AR is what it is. It's not fully green screened, yep. and they they had the big Unreal logo right there on the booth. Is that they, that's what they were yep. using as their 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 engine? There's another service called Vizrt, V I Z R T, that does some of this stuff, but it's more d- d- just for news. And um, people have found that unreal is a really effective way to do some of this stuff. So um, yeah, yep. it definitely, it definitely makes sense to, um, to have some of this stuff licensed differently. Cause it is a completely different marketplace and you're dealing with multi-billion dollar corporations and there needs to be a different pricing yep. structure for them. No question about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the star Wars stuff that's been done recently, that's been done in unreal engine. I'm sure. And you know, I'm sure they'll have something to where if you make a blockbuster film, maybe they'll get some additional things out of it versus someone making YouTube videos. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Another thing, you know, they're doing that big push towards the creative marketplace, you know, where people are creating, creating things and, and listing them themselves mm-hmm. and then doing the revenue split. Well, they're introducing a new age rating system for that, which is which will, hopefully will make it less like Rob, uh, Roblox because that's kind of the problem with Roblox is there's a lot of stuff in there and there's no real rating system or a way that you can limit what your children have access to, which is why we don't let them even touch Roblox. Well, it must be that Fortnite is seeing that could be a possible problem with them. So they're coming up with an international age rage rating coalition um, that's going to be implemented into that creative mode content and if someone hasn't rated their content, it's going to be delisted from there by November 14th. So the, the International Age Rage Rating Coalition is a, an a existing corporate or organization that they're partnering with to be able to do this. And they're going to rate all islands and content published through the creative mode so that it can be from E to a maximum of team. You know, they're not going to have anything above team. Um, so... Or I would assume teen would be maybe if there's something that has blood and gore, you know, something that's more scary. But it's not going to be anything too crazy. Uh, and, you know, they'll still have limits on that. But that's something I thought was interesting because it's as more of that push towards what they're really aiming for, which is kind of a recurring, ongoing way of making money without them having to create every single little detail of what goes into Fortnite. I think yeah. it's smart. I think in the long run it has a good a better chance of being successful with with less of their hands on of trying to guess where the market's going.
0: Sure. And you know, similar to when um you know, I, we upload this show to YouTube, we have to select what rating or age it is and that's for yeah. the YouTube Kids version so the content shows up or doesn't show up there. It's interesting, yep. you know, obviously everybody's heard of ESRB. That's the traditional black and white E uh, I don't even know what they are, M, T, whatever whatever the rating is yeah. on, uh, on, on video games. But you'll note every time you load up a game into a multiplayer mode, it says online play is not rated because ESRB doesn't do online play. It's just single-player content that they can control. Yep. But the president of ESRB is also a, a chairperson of this iArc group. So there's obviously okay. some people in there that are – familiar with this system and you know I, yeah brian i'm not a fan of regulation um you know i think well, i think i don't think you are either we've made that pretty clear but uh in this yeah. case of of a rating system for a, a game that has a, a a very significant younger player base and you know you've talked yep. a lot about parental controls companies that that do it well And, um, unfortunately, companies that don't, like Nintendo, who do have just terrible child ratings, um, this, this, I guess, as a parent, you seem to think this is a pretty good thing.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing. Parents will, and they talk about this directly, parents will also be able to use the game's parental controls to block islands that are above a certain age rating, although specific creations can be unlocked by using the PIN number. They can also set whether or not their children can design their own games in Fortnite Creative Mode. So they're putting in all those things that I talk about. As you said, I talk about if if I'm going to let my child have access to it, and it has content that random people on the internet, internet are making, I want to be able to limit what they're seeing. I don't want propaganda going in there. I don't want you know. I want to be able to put limits. Um, you know, this is something we saw with all the BLM flags and everything. You know, that's not really going to be covered under this, but those kind of things of people pushing these perspectives, I mean, they're going to be pushing in, you know, free Palestine and do all this stuff, I'm sure, over the next couple of months. Uh, this is something that they try to push into these type of modes, uh, you know, make it to where if it has anything that's political, that it doesn't qualify for E for everyone. Yeah. If you're pushing a political statement, if it's, a, if it's something with Black Lives Matter, if it's something with Palestine or even with Israel, I mean, whatever it is, if you're pushing... Something with, uh, you know, make it so where it doesn't have Russia and Ukraine. None of that stuff. Put that above any rating so that I don't have to worry about you trying to propagandize my child when they play your game. And then we'll be perfectly happy. Yeah. So, well, good. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, yeah, it's kind of the, the state of Epic. And they're trying to keep afloat. You know, the, these, if you notice, there's a theme to what we're talking about today uh, Unity, trying to keep afloat. Epic trying to keep afloat. GameStop, trying to keep afloat. Well, let's talk a little bit about people that haven't been keeping afloat. Uh the economy wow. at the gameindustry.biz, they have an article here that talks about over six thousand games industry jobs lost in twenty twenty three so far. Yeah. September was the worst month for layoffs. New data shows. So just this past past month. It's is the worst it's been. We've been telling you for months and months and months now. It feels like that this is happening, uh, and it's only getting worse. And so this is something that uh, you know, if you if you look through here, just a lot of the the things that they're talking about are ones that we've talked about. Layoff this year. I just want to run through a quick list of these names. You've got Telltale Games, Keyword Studios, Twitch, Naughty Dog. Team 17, Creative Assembly, Epic Games, mediatonic Maze Theory, uh, Other Ocean Interactive, Blizzard Entertainment, Roblox, Crystal Dynamics, Beamdog, Probably Monsters, Double Down Interactive, Sended Studios, Visual Concepts, Radio Studios, VentureBeat, Gearbox Publishing, Romano Games, Eastside Games, Blackford Inter- Blackbird Interactive, BioWare, Bella Games, Imaginary Studios, Striking Distance Studios, Popcore, CD Project Red, Double Stallion Games, Product Madness, Uh, Tavrox uh, Games, Datalick Entertainment, Ludia, Niantic, which does like the um, Pokemon Pokemon type of things. Mm -hmm. Elodie Games, Wildseed Games, Scavenger Studios, which is one one of our first interviews, The Game Band, Embracer Group, Inverse, Fire Monkey Studio, Bonus XP, Kabam, Went Team, which is from Seed Project Red, Relic Entertainment, Deck Nine Games brace yourself games the molasses flood which is part of cd project deviation studios ubisoft final flight strike games cray games PlayOn, unity phoenix labs waypoint which is part of Vi- vice ready at dawn downpour interactive bungie counterplay games line games take two interactive game loft Surve- servios uh, big run studios nexon game west mutant arm studios wicked realm games inno games ea hidden leaf games High Res Games, Meta, Riot Games, Bethesda Game Studio, The Coalition, 343 Studios, GameSpot, Giant Bomb, and Netties. That's just this year. Jeez, Layoffs.
0: All right. Well, you need That's to just this you, year. You need to tap out. <laughs> you You're out of the play. Go, guys, sit on the sideline and get some oxygen and some water. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. You know, Brian, it's so amazing. Um, you know, we have done this show now for uh, since I was just a wee lad. Um, we have been talking about... The video game economy for at least the last 12 months, if not 16 months. Yeah. It has been a constant yeah. threat on this show. And we have talked about the little things here and there. The the studio obviously a lot of the smaller studios on there we 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 didn't cover. But this this is an industry that struggles incredibly. During times of weak economic, during weak economic times. And don't look at your 401k. Don't look at the stock market because that's not an indication of the current state of the economy. And these industries are getting absolutely ravaged by it. You're going to see, you're seeing the same. uh, The film thing is different with the strikes and same thing with TV. But those guys are in the same boat. Uh, you know, I'm afraid tourism, which is a big part of our economy here on the coast, that's going to, you know, depending on how things go and when, when the economy's in really rough shape, tourism, of course, takes a nosedive. People don't go on vacations yep. that kills local economies. This is really, really serious stuff that we're talking about. Yep. And um, yep. you're seeing it all here in, in just kind of one list. And it's pretty eye opening.
1: Well, and one, I don't think they, did they cover, did I name, yeah, Naughty Dog, that was a recent one, so just this week, Naughty Dog laid off contractors, Twitch is making another round of layoffs, Keyword Studios, uh, um, the unionized Dragon Age QA team was laid off, something I've been saying is going to happen, Damn, (laughs) your QA team unionizes, uh, well, we don't need them, we got uh, AI to do half of their job now, so let's start this over. That's what you're signing up for. Telltale Games laid off staff in response to what they call current market conditions, which is totally—that's what it is. Uh, you know, it, it, Binomics, gotta love it. Uh, Team Build Seventeen layoffs. Money. Team Seventeen announced that they're going to be doing restructuring and do layoffs, and they said it—it's it, most likely to hit one third of the company there. Uh, following layoffs, you know, here's some interesting things: you get people that are getting laid off and they're mad. Following the layoffs of CD Projekt Red, staff have now formed a union for Polish game developers. So, you know, they're a little bit late, but they're doing a, they're creating unions for, uh, for people in Poland. Uh, former Bioware employees are suing for better severance after the layoffs. Because they don't feel like they got enough severance pack, good enough severance package from Bioware. But this, I mean, these companies are doing their best to stay afloat. I, I just, you, you've got to be somewhat in touch with the fact that, that you're an entertainment business, which is a luxury business. It's yes. is something that people will spend money when they have it. It's not food. It's not transportation. It's not housing. It's not things that they utterly have to have. It's their uh, excre- you know, discretionary income. It's the extra. And right now, how many people have discretionary income? Nobody. Uh, it's kind of like back in the early 80s when I was very young. I feel like that this is how the economy was back then.
0: Crazy high interest you know, my, rates. My, yeah no no mm-hmm. discretionary money, real rough.
1: My parents, we'd go we'd go uh, garage sailing, you know think people, their money was tight back then. and I feel like we're kind of at the same spot now where people are no longer going and buying the fanciest of clothes with all you know the designer names. They're just trying to get stuff to get by like, like it was back then. You know, I'm sure it'll eventually come out to where people are, are feeling the ability to spend again. But you know, with uh, back in the '80s, it took a, a Republican coming in, a good old Reagan, who changed a lot of, of things and turned it around, and the and the economy came back. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think we're we're in in the hard part of it right now, where we're in what was right before uh, Reagan. But you know, do we have another Reagan that's going to come in and fix this? Or is this the new normal? That's my real big concern. Is if people don't make wise decisions in the next year or two, we're gonna we're and and this becomes permanent. That would really suck. If if these high cost of living, the value of the dollar is low. I mean, we're printing so much money and throwing so much money out the window with the government that it's no matter if you keep doing it, our the value of our dollar will never recover. It'll continue to be worthless. Look at Mexico and the value of their pesos. I mean, it's a very, it's a very similar concept of the money's not worth very much. And, you know, it, it affects their whole economy. Uh,
0: what's the, uh, what's the, the phrase, uh, uh, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, whatever that circle so, is. Yeah, it's That's a cycle. G- and yeah, we, we and are coming I, well, back
1: from the having a strong economy and people getting stupid. We're on the weak. <laughs> we're on the weak to.
0: men create hard times point right now where we where we sit and yep. it will make uh those people stronger that will create those good times. It it it's a it's a pendulum, Brian. I mean, it always it's a it's it's a constant circle. It it spins. Unfortunately, um, you know, for folks like myself in my uh as I'm reminded, closer to 30 than I am 20, um, <laughs> that uh, you know that's gonna that's it's gonna suck to go through the end of my 20s and probably you know half of my 30s in uh, in rough economic times when uh, you know hope I was yep. hoping I'd be in a hopefully things would be in a bit of different different position to to make some good investments and things like that. Uh, that might not be possible, and that that's rough. But what are you gonna do? What I can do is play the cards. you yeah, got and killed.
1: that's. And I saw an article, you know, someone was talking about how this young generation right now, how it's, it's affecting them in such strong ways, just the state of the economy, the state of inflation. Yeah, man, it's brutal. Like it's, it's, changing, it's changing how they think and how they will act in the future. Just like if you look at the Great Depression and how there's people that 40 years later were still doing certain things in certain ways as a response to the Great Depression. It was 40 years later. The depression has been done for 40 years, and yet you're still, you know, you, you have weird things about food or whatever it is that you're triggering to. Eat everything
0: to. on your plate, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to have the exact same thing in different ways of them responding to this. Um, I, you know, I, I'd like the idea that kids nowadays would be able to go out and get a house, but my goodness, you know, we're moving into a new home in the next couple of weeks. And let me tell you, it was a lot of work to be able to make that happen. Uh, it, goodness sakes, the, the amount that the interest rates are, the cost of living around here, the price of housing around here is insane. Yeah. Um, but you know We need a bigger home for our family. We, we need it. Uh, but you know, kids, kids that are, are in their late teens, early twenties, I don't know how in the world they're going to go get a basic home.
0: They're not. And How? They're not right now. That's the They're thing. living right to pay to,
1: paycheck to paycheck right now.
0: Well, they are, but, but again, and, and without getting, without putting on my uh, Dave Ramsey uh, hat and playing the, the uh, Baker's Field by Jerry Rafferty is the intro here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot, you know, Brian, it's a, a lot of this stuff is self-inflicted. And, I mean, and I, yeah. I always mention this. The same people that are complaining about, not, oh, I don't have any money. I don't make any money at my job. They're out four or five nights a week out at dinner and drinking and partying with their friends. I enjoy that as much as the next guy. And I do do that three or four. I do, well, probably yeah. not three or four, but at least two, probably at least two nights a week, if not more. Um, but I have to make sure that I am prepared to do that. And I'm in a position yeah. where I can do that. But I'm also not gonna complain well, that I don't have any money when I'm getting eighty dollar bar tabs on a Friday night. I, I have eighty dollars to spend, yeah. so I'm spending it. I'm not gonna then go on Reddit and bitch and complain that I don't have any money. I mean, that's just that well, that, that is what is really that's the that's the thing I can't get over. Is you well, so you, that's the you thing. you're living the life you want. You're and and I get it. Some people just would rather say you don't want to I want sacrifice. To li- right? I don't want, and some people don't. Some people I'm not, I don't want to sacrifice. I want to li- I want to live in the now and enjoy my life. That's totally fine. Everybody has their way that they want to go about it. But you can't then be frustrated when you quote unquote can't get ahead. Right, while you were yep. doing that, other folks were setting money aside so they could buy houses. They weren't going on vacations multiple times a year so that they could build up equity to purchase a house. You can't have it both ways. If you want to live in the now, man, and and do all these things in your twenty, great, nothing wrong with that. But there is a it's it's called an opportunity cost. It's a trade off, yep. and that's the trade off that you're making. It's
1: not well. My that's fault. something where I'm. I'm someone who bought a house. You know, I bought a house when I was 20. You bought a house in your early 20s. Yeah. Don't you think that I sacrificed some things? I had to make adjustments to things that I was going to do through all the years that I was paying a mortgage because of that mortgage. There, I mean, you know, without a mortgage, and if I were paying maybe, you know, 300, back then you could rent a room for 300 to $600. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you think that I could have been doing things very differently and spent my money more frivolous, frivolously? without a house payment that I had to Absolutely. make sure I was always in a state to be able to pay. Uh, you know, so that was the thing of that. That was a decision I made. And I think today you just have a different mindset where a lot of these kids feel like it's impossible. Like there's just, it's not obtainable or it's going to take, I mean, getting a house for these kids nowadays would take most of their income. Honestly, well, I mean, it, it's just not realistic at the current interest rate.
0: Well, yeah, and again, right now. But two right years now, ago, but, was but how, how inch- are they going to recover from that?
1: Well, getting yeah, them to I, then take on that new line of thinking when it does make sense to go buy yeah. a house. You're going to have a lot of them that are hesitant, and they're going to continue renting.
0: Yeah, well, and, and, that, and that's true. And unfortunately, you have to adapt to the to the conditions in front of you. Um, yeah. It, but it's 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 a mindset issue, and it's a, it's a, it's people don't want to accept the fact that there's trade offs that you have to make in life. And and again it's yeah. everybody else it's the chewy founder's fault right
1: yeah, he, he's the
0: he's the cause of all evil now cuz he's the new CEO of of GameStop it's all his fault
1: Yeah, yeah that guy's a jerk
0: Yeah he's a jerk right exactly yeah, he's definitely successful def- he's a, making money yeah, when
1: to, it's hard for me to make money
0: Total to jerk say. building one of the largest that <laughs> we're building a massive e-commerce platform that sells literally pet supplies that's it I mean, the equivalent of Amazon for pet supplies. What a bastard.
1: And you know what made him be successful like that was making good decisions for his company. Sure. Making good things, good products, delivering them in in a successful way, probably in good packaging. Not just doing everything, uh, you know, at the cheapest or the easiest way. Doing it in a way that he set that company up to be successful and now probably hires a lot of people gives a lot you know, of people paychecks.
0: I'm glad you brought this up about Chewy. I totally forgot about this. So, um my parents use Chewy. Uh and one of their mm-hmm. their uh, their last cat died. Um and my mother had a subscription on whatever it was, cat food or cat litter or whatever it was. So she contacted the support and was like, "Hey, I need to cancel this subscription. My 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 cat died." Uh which of course was very sad. And you know, you would expect normal customer support. Just say, oh, okay, you know, okay, we'll cancel your subscription. Thanks for doing business with us. It, they asked for a picture of the cat and then sent my mother this really nice frame picture of it. This is, that's customer support. That's a successful yep. business. That's, now they have a lifelong customer, and this guy is the devil reincarnated because he runs a successful business.
1: It really pisses. But those are the me type off. of decisions that the CEOs and those type of people put in place to make the mentality of the company that. Yeah. That's not the person at the bottom of the company making those decisions because you know it's not it's not making them money on the front end to do things like that. No. But them realizing that they need to maintain a very good relationship and have to where it's just that a nice thing to do. A good positive outlook on their company. Yeah. By the nice thing that they did. That's the kind of thinking that I think uh, people don't understand a good, strong CEO is able to incorporate that, that mentality, that culture, if you want to call it that,
0: to be able to have
1: your, yeah, it's a company culture if that's what a CEO implements and you can have a good culture or a bad culture and you're, you're paying for one that's able to implement successfully a good culture, which obviously this guy does. And I think that's what GameStop needs. I mean, to come around. For you know, for the long road around that, that's what GameStop's needs it because their culture before was pretty lousy. The the sentiments from the employees was pretty lousy because there was a lot of people that were working long hours. They weren't making a lot of money because the the amount of money they can make on what they were doing was pretty tight. I think I think this company has skated al- along for quite a while, not being highly successful.
0: It's a low margin business,
1: Brian. Yeah, I think it's going to take a change in thinking and a way that they are going to maybe provide something that makes it to where people are willing to somehow give them money for a service, for a product, for an experience. We've talked about that before as a possibility of something that GameStop could do to be able to bring in money. Have this guy come in and see if he can implement something that's going to somehow bring another revenue source to GameStop because that's really what they need. Selling used games isn't going to continue because everything's going discless. Uh yeah. selling K was it K pop or whatever they are. Um, Funko Pops. Funko something. Pops. Funko Pops. K pop uh, is, is, is gonna Brian. be the old man Aldrich. Sorry, not, again, not the and not gentlemen. the Korean not the <laughs> Korean pop music. But uh, Funko Pops, you got Funko Pops, which are not gonna keep your company afloat. You're not gonna sell enough of those to supply and pay the rent on all of those those business fronts. So. Well, and
0: I think maybe maybe this is a is a helpful thing. This show is completely off the rails, but I think it's a great conversation. <laughs> um, you know, most retail business and 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 even like restaurants are even restaurants are the best example of it. Those mm-hmm. are by default low margin businesses, and they they yeah. are successful based on volume. Restaurant. That's why restaurants that don't have a lot of people in them have to close because if they don't have volume yep. they can't get by and most retail is like that ice cream shops coffee shops all of these things are, are 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 most of the time there's exceptions most of the time very low margin meaning that you have to have volume and GameStop yep. does not, gamestop is low margin they sell new now there's great margin on used video games for sure but as you noted that's a dying industry new games there's yep. Ze- ze- practically zero margin on those. I mean, the what they're paying and what they're selling it for is very, very similar. So you have to sell a yep. boatload of new games, or as you noted, find a different revenue source. And that's going to be, re- yep. and that's that's what this company is going to have to do if they want to survive. And it's the same thing with Epic and Unreal. They're going to have to change yep. the way that they're generating revenue to survive. I mean, that's what this comes down. And that's to what they've been game. doing. Yeah. Well, but and, and, well, at and least for whatever Epic, reason, that's what
1: they're doing. I don't know about uh, about Epic or uh, Unity yet. Well, that's I mean, what Unity is doing. Excuse me.
0: That's what I meant to say. That's what Unity is doing. They realize that their business model of giving away the farm for pennies and pennies on the dollar is not sustainable long term. You have to eventually yep. charge people for the services you provide. And Epic is in the I same think they're boat. Hoping... The Fortnite gravy train, while yes, it's still running, it's not running full steam ahead. And how do they adapt to that so the entire freaking company doesn't go under? I guess, uh, Brian, I really do think some of these people would be more satisfied with Twim, Tim Sweeney taking a freaking bulldozer to their carry headquarters and closing up shop than they are with having to deal with changes in the company. I mean, that's how delusional these people are. Just bulldoze the company then, because that's the alternative. You either can adapt to the times and continue generating revenue, or you close. Those are your two options. It's A or B. There's no C, D, or E, or no mixture of both. You're either profitable and successful, or you're out of business. There's nothing in between.
1: Nothing. Yeah, and that's one thing. That's where Epic has been really lucky, I think. You know, they made such substantial... It changes when it came to the the funds that they were receiving from uh fortnight and and they they really shot you know propelled their product ahead of a, a lot of the others um unity i think is they, they've had a lot of installs right but when you're not charging people correctly based on you know and most of these people are making free-to-play games or something that's making money uh, you know off of microtransactions and if you're not cornering that properly to be able to get some money back, you know, then, then what you're getting is a very low-margin business. And I feel like Unity, uh, except for maybe a few of their clients, was being a very low-margin business. And sure. so they're trying to figure out how can we make enough money to compete because their goal is to compete with, uh, with Epic. They've got to compete with Unreal Engine. You and, and I have disagreed on, on that, that,
0: and I guess we, we continue to. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're in direct competition with Unreal.
1: Well, they want still want, they don't want their mobile developers moving over to Unreal Engine, is that, what I'm saying. True. Not that they're they're currently in the same one, but if they continue to taper off and, and Epic sees a, a weakness in them, they'll say, hey, look, we've just released a whole new suite of tools for mobile game development. And look at all these cool things we just put in. They could jump onto that business and really take Unity out. If they, right now they're not focused on mobile, like mobile is just an extra thing that they do and they're focusing on film development, they're focusing on major AAA games and the tools to be able to do that. Um, they've, They've not really focused very much on mobile. Well, the problem is if Unity continues to become weak, get behind, they'll see an opportunity to throw a little extra work into their mobile tools and then, you know what, I think they would be good big competitors in the mobile space. I just don't think right now they care you know, it's a money thing, but I think that it'd be work to compete against the other company that has the majority stake. They're getting new areas or they're picking up new ways to go. But you know, if those things dry up, I can see them going for the mobile market. Yeah. They, they have the ability to, they just haven't invested the time. And, you know, maybe with the next boom of, of, of whatever revenue source they come up with, or maybe a films making in unreal takes off huge to where, you know they're they're behind a lot of the big major uh, films out there. They'll make big money coming in, and maybe they'll throw money at that. But right now they're 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 doing that focus. You know from what Sweeney is saying, focus. They got to focus and figure out how they're going to stay afloat and stay s- successful.
0: Brian, where can people find you online?
1: All right, when you find me, if you find me on X, it'll be at uh, Boise Computer. Everywhere else, it'll be at Brian Aldridge. Or you can check out my blog, biteoftech.com. Or if you want to go to our website, infectionpodcast.com, just go to the upper right-hand side. You can go check out our Discord server. On there, we've got 11 ARC servers running. We've got uh, politics chat. We've, We've got a lot of different things. that You can contact Nick and I directly if you would like. Or maybe there's a topic or something that you think we should be covering on the live show. Toss a link into the show news channel. We'll review that before before we do our uh, show notes and, and there's a good chance that we Will cover what you're talking about. If you want to watch the live show of the video, you can do that through Twitch or YouTube or Rumble after the fact it's uploaded. Um, also, after the fact, we have all the audio ver- versions of the podcast. So whichever platform or device you want to use, we've got a lot of different ways that you can listen to the episodes that we do. If you are listening, that means we've also got the show, no- show notes up there. And you just click on the particular episode that you're listening to, and we've got links for all the different things that we we uh, cover in that episode, plus an audio video video player built right into the page. And maybe there's a video that you you missed because you're listening. That's the perfect place to go get a link for that, or maybe some background information. A lot of times we'll have references to things, and we won't cover them in depth, but I, I include a lot more in the show notes. Um, that way, you can uh, dig more into the topic if you'd like. If you want to support us, there's a support menu option up top, or you can go to InfectionPodcast.com forward slash support.
0: Yes, you can. Uh, we will. Uh, uh, are we back on a Tuesday next week, Brian? I guess uh, we'll have to figure out our schedule. I think better. it is. I'll,
1: I'll double check with Perfect. the schedule. But, uh, it's either a Monday or a Tuesday, but I'll, I'll double check with
0: you. Excellent. So we'll uh, we'll uh, be back uh, sometime early next week with a, another edition of the show. Brian, thanks as always, my friend. Greatly appreciated. We'll Thank see you next week. All folks, that's going to do it for a, another episode here. If you want to follow me on X, you can do so at Nicholas M. Craig. I was actually on Newsmax this past weekend. You can search up uh, Wendy Bell Newsmax and uh, check out that. That was a cool little opportunity. You can find that on my X profile as well. Uh, and, of course, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can always visit our website, which is infectionpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.